I'm going to call up Pastor Mark. Let's give them another round of applause. What an amazing panel. Thank you so much to Asher and the panel. I trust that you realize that words have already been preached this morning from as young as Rory to, you know, Mrs. Kenneth as well. There's been incredible teaching. And they all spoke about the importance of this book, didn't they? You know that today is the International Day of the Bible. Did you know that? It's also Orphan Sunday. This book is so, so important. This book has changed lives, cities, countries, societies. One of the first passages, when I was the age of many of you down here, just a few years ago. <laughs> the first passages that I memorized, Rory, which you would be excited to know, was Psalm 119 and verse 9 to 11. And most of you know this. It asked the question, how can a young person keep their way pure? And it answers the question by saying they live according to your word. Wow. You want to keep your word your way pure? Do you want to walk in the straight path? Not be called to the left when your friends say things that they shouldn't say. Not to go with someone that you shouldn't be with. But to stay following God's path. It was 48 years ago that I met Jesus as a seven-year-old. How many of you are seven? Yeah, quite a few seven-year-olds. That was when I met Jesus for the very first time. And in 48 years, I have not significantly deviated in any moment from the path God has called me on, not because I'm wise, not because I'm getting gray hairs, but because of one practice, getting into the Word and communicating with God in prayer every single day. Our own Pastor Simon challenged us as staff this week because he looked into the life of Jesus and saw that Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, don't you hate that, he got up and he went away, found a quiet place, and met with his father. We're talking about Jesus. Doesn't make, that make you think? That Jesus, the Son of God, got up out of that cozy bed, and made his way to spend time with Father God. We were challenged by that. There's another verse in, Mark, in Luke 5, 16, that says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You don't need to walk down to the park in the morning on your own. That's a little bit risky in some neighborhoods. But all you need to do is find a lonely corner could be in the corner of your bedroom, at your desk. It could well be in the lounge, in your special chair, and find a place where you withdraw on a daily basis. You see, this has always been known as daily devotions. Let me unpack the word daily in the ancient Greek and Hebrew language. It's the word daily. It's deep, right? It's not the word weekly or monthly. And you know what? We fall off the wagon sometimes. Tama was honest. We all, if we had to put our hands up, how many of you had seven days devotions in the last week? Some of you would say, yes, Gabby did. But some of you are like, I'm not so confident right now to say that. I would bet that if we could revive our devotions, if we could find a way to do it that is fresh, 
And so I want to propose for the next 21 days, which is how long it takes to create a habit, and we're going to work on this. So if you're going to listen to a long preach, you come to the wrong church. You need to go down the road today because here you're going to get working. You ready to walk? You've got your overalls on? You've got your mental gymnastics ready because we're going to work. We're going to learn a process that begins with praying. It then reads our Bible. Before we rush off to breakfast, we are going to first reflect. And finally, we're going to pray as we make our way out. Pray, read, reflect, and pray. There's going to be a handout at the back, more information later, so don't worry too much. And you're welcome to take pictures if you want. So here. It starts with pray. What we do is we start with a time, not, God, give me new shoes for school today. God, give me, give me, give me, give me. God loves it when his children ask, but that comes a bit later. We begin by focusing on God. Remember the prayer starts, our Father in heaven, right? And so we're going to teach you this morning a very fresh way to pray what's known as the Lord's Prayer. You can recite it, right? How many of you at school say the Lord's Prayer in a week? Hands up if in the week, yo, yo. Most schools are praying the Lord's Prayer. Praise God that the Lord's Prayer and prayer hasn't been removed from our schools, right? But you know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You know, right? We've learned it. We know it. But I like to slow it down a bit. I like to think about what Jesus meant by when he taught his disciples to pray. And there's actually a few movements in here that you can follow in the Lord's Prayer. And this is one way to understand how the Lord's Prayer is broken down. You ready to go through it? And then I'm going to give you a chance to practice it. Right. Well, it all begins with praise. I begin by praising God for who he is and for all that he's done. Because I stop and I say, wow, God. Aren't you incredible? Notice the prayer says, our Father in heaven, our Father is intimate and close. It's Abba. But you're in heaven. You're ruling, reigning. So God is saying, Jesus is saying, focus on God. Think about his greatness. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's all-powerful. You can throw in the names of God here. You can reflect on a psalm even if you want to at this point. But you begin with praise. You then, and notice this is the P-R-A-Y of the word pray. Secondly, you request. Now, let me suggest that Jesus begins the requesting part by the prayer that says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's when the requests work, and it continues with give us this day our daily bread. So I'm aligning myself with God in his way. I'm saying, God, I want to be your child. I want to bring heaven into my classroom. I want to bring heaven into my office. Lord, this business deal that I'm going to make, I want this to bless this city, and I want to make a difference in the world. And, Lord, I have some needs. Don't you think God loves to give his children stuff? Do you think I hate it when my children come and say, Dad, my money's run out and the month hasn't run out. Dad, could you like just send me a hundred? I love that. We have a conversation about budgeting and stretching stuff and using data wisely, but I love to do that. Why? I'm the dad. And dad's mums love to get mums more. I must be honest, go to mum first. If, she, if that fails, then go to dad. And if all else fails, Pastor Jonathan will sort you out with his app. So we praise 
We request, and then there's another movement as well, which is to ask, okay? Sorry, it's the word admit. Why? Because I need to admit that I need forgiveness and I need to give forgiveness. Notice the prayer says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who who owe us things. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And so I begin by saying, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. That thing that I did, that wasn't cool. I climbed on the stage at the wrong time. God, I'm really, really sorry, forgive me. And God says, ah, that's okay, no one minded. We loved it, it was a cool moment. Sometimes God has a different perspective. But when I've done wrong, God loves it when I come. There's never been any, any punishment in our home when kids come clean. There was a guy that stole a bicycle last week. And, you know, there will be no judgment in this place when he returns it this week. Why? Because there's grace. There's mercy. Oh, there might be some community time and packing chairs in the youth room, but we'll, we'll follow up on that, you know. Admit that you need to receive and give forgiveness. And lastly, in our prayer moment, we yield. What we do is we remember that Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So for that to be successful, I need to align myself with God. I need to raise my hands and surrender and say, Lord, these hands are going to be yours today. These eyes are going to be yours. These feet, these feet are going to go where you want me to go. My hands at break time are going to share my lunch with someone who needs it. And I'm not just giving them daily bread. I'm giving them, I'm doing this because Jesus loves you and he cares about you. And in that moment, the gospel is extended. And not only have you loved God and you've loved other people, but you have loved and blessed your city. That's been part of God's kingdom, isn't it? So, here's your chance. Got your overalls on? Hope you got your tackies on? Metaphorically speaking, of course. Here's what you're going to do. You are going to take three minutes to power pray your way through those four movements of praise, request, admit, and yield. All right? So, you're sitting maybe together in a small group of three, maybe just in pairs, If you're really on your own, maybe someone will sidle up, pray on your own. It's fine. You're going to do it sometimes on your own and sometimes in families during this week. Go. Firstly, I need to apologize for saying... 30 seconds left. You might have, some of you might have been so deep in prayer and you thought you heard the voice of God and you've got 30 seconds and that could have been a little bit disconcerting. Relax. It's okay. Um, I've just given you your lifetime back. So we begin with prayer, right? Great start to the day. Every single person on our panel said that prayer is critical and important. We then move into a time where we read. We haven't forgotten how to read, right? The Word of God, when read, has the power to transform our lives. When left unopened on my bedside, it's only good for one thing, and that's grabbing dust from the environment and sucking it up and letting it stick to the cover. But the moment it's open and used, whether I'm clicking or reading online or actually using a paper Bible that can actually give you a paper cut, you know that you're starting to get into the Word. But I want to suggest 
that as we grab the Bible, we don't just go randomly. Because you could open the Bible to something like, um, what should I do today? What does man need, you know, from God? And then uh, the next passage I go to, it's, um, and Judas went and hung himself. And then the next place I open the Bible and it says, um, and go and do likewise. <laughs> it's not wise to jump around in the Bible because you can make anything up, right? But I begin in a book. And you'll see in the handout, we're suggesting Psalms are great. You'll see in the handout that the book of 1 John is a really good place to start. There is the first four verses, the prologue, which is a bit technical, but it sets up this an amazing journey of someone disciples who've met Jesus and who can help us grow. But as we begin out to make our way through a book of the Bible, and some of you may have done the 90-day Bible reading plan, six chapters a day. Some of us did that recently, and it is mind-blowing what you will discover from the Word with that hectic discipline. But here's a challenge. You can't just read. You need to reflect, and that is our third movement. Last night, Debbie and I had a great opportunity to go to the Kluffendal Nature Reserve in Rudaport and do four hours of night nature viewing. It was the experience of our lifetime. Do you know that there are caracal, serval, and black-backed jackal that run around on these hills? They have been captured in photographs on camera traps. In that area, I had no idea that was real. Scrub hares were jumping around. Little bunnies and rabbits were going around everywhere. But I didn't expect the learning from a unique place. We were taken to an old mine where two brothers, Frank and Harry Struben. Think about it. Struben's Valley is over the hill, isn't it? Frank and Harry took a chisel and a hammer, and they actually used to live where the Little Falls Christian Church is now. They walked over the hill, don't know why they chose this hill in the Rudekrantz, and they began to chisel out a 60-meter vertical drop. And in, I don't know how far down, they started to find rock with little yellow flecks in it. Not fool's gold, real gold. There was no little square hamper with a bow on it full of gold. And they had to spend 35 pounds which is like a year's salary today, to buy what was known as a stamper or a crusher. And that big machine is still there on the left as you come in, an old wooden metal structure. And what they had to do was crush this rock to be able to extract the gold. They actually made more money hiring out their stamper, their 35-pound um, stamper, than what they ever made from gold. Of course, others would follow and find gold elsewhere in this whole Joburg region, and hence we are the city of gold, or as we like to say, the city of God. The word is a lot like the rock and the hill underneath those botanical gardens, right? Why? Because if you just read it in a rush and a hurry on your way to school, you won't necessarily dig and extract the gold and the ore. And sometimes you can read a chapter and you can sit back and say, Mom, what's going on? So this person beget that person and he beget that person, and I don't even know what it means to beget. <laughs> but as we begin to dig, uh, could I teach you maybe a little 
strategy, a little way to do this so that you can extract the gold so that you too can have Strubens Valley named after you, whatever your name, insert your name in there, right? Well, it's very simple. One of the great ways is to take the speck method. You've all heard about taking the speck out of your own eyes before you take, you know, or the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Nothing to do with that. But the word S-P-E-C-K will help you remember that I'm looking for six things. S-P-E-C-K, make it five. It's very, it's very important to learn to count when you're young so you don't mis- make mistakes when you're preaching. And the first one is to look for a sin to avoid. Is there something in what I'm reading that I should stay away from? Some attitude, some thought, some action, something that could trip me up and lead me away from Christ. Help me to find that Lord. So I read the passage one time, for example, and you're going to work on it just now. You're going to take Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. You know that? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of sinners or stand in the in the seat of um, scoffers, or sit in the way of the mockers. There's some depth in that, don't you think? There's some, some things to avoid, some people maybe to avoid. Well, secondly, SP, is there a promise that I can claim? Is there something that I can take away that if I do this, my life would be different, my family would be different, my home, my school, my life, my heart, my mind? What can I take and write down or store to memory? Thirdly, S-P-E-C, is there a command to obey? Is there something that should actually be avoided like the plague? What am I being told in black and white, don't do this, do this. I'm going to dig it out and find it. S-P-E-C, what's after that? K, is there knowledge to gain? Is there something that I can take away? Maybe I'm learning something about God, about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, something about life, something about the future, and what can I take away? Right, so now's your chance. If you can take this. Oh, there's an E. Okay, is there an example to follow? Has someone done done something really special? If you ever preach and someone at the back's waving, look at the waving. They're not just sort of waving at the queen. So is there in there an example that I can follow? What did someone do? So maybe in this case, maybe David is suggesting something. Maybe there's a wise man. Maybe there's a disciple. Maybe Jesus did something. There won't always on the surface be each one of the S-P-E-C-K. But if you dig around and you look and reflect, remember you have to stamp to get the goal out. So get stamping, okay? So here comes the verse. A few slides later, there's the one. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. You want to prosper, right? Get stamping. A few minutes in that same little cluster group and find a sin to avoid. Find a promise, etc. You know the drill. You've got three minutes, literally.
Did anyone find a sin to avoid? Did anyone find a promise to claim? Did anyone find an example to follow? Did anyone find a command to obey? And what about some knowledge to gain? Imagine if you do this every day of your life. Imagine if you don't just spend three minutes, but you spend a little while. Now, the porridge is ready. Mom's calling me already. Mom says, come kids, we're nearly late for school. What do I do? I say, mom, give me 25 seconds because Pastor Mark said there's four parts to my devotion and I need to close now with prayer. This is a moment to say, Jesus, guide me through my day. Thank you for what you've revealed to me in the pages of your word. Help me today to live for you. Help me to be a disciple of yours who makes disciples who makes disciples. So ask God to help as you finish your day. Would you commit to do this actually in the week? No one's going to be following me up. There's no deacons and elders going to be visiting you. But I know that when I'm committed to have my daily time with God, whenever it is, in the morning, the night, in my car, wherever, it makes a significant difference in my life and the world around me. Would you do it? Simply pray, read, reflect, and finally pray again. You might be busy in the 99 adventures. Then don't stop. Carry on, because that's what it is, right? If you want something fresh, use this. Grab the handout in the foyer on the right-hand side as you leave, and you'll be able to have that. I know the youth, we've already posted that on, on all our WhatsApp offerings and social media sites this morning, but would you do it? As we close, you might be thinking, Mark, I don't know that I can create an audience with this king you're talking about. I don't know if he knows me. It could be awkward. In a few days' time, um, Debbie and I head off to the, the Kruger for three glorious nights to celebrate, and it's one night for each of a decade in our lives of marriage. 30 years. You may not know, but marriage is quite a tricky thing. It's a it's a thing that needs a little bit of work. I'm just saying. You know, it's like parenting when you start. You know, not too many people give us parenting classes, and then it's like headbutting along the way. But we haven't got to this point on the verge of 30 years without engaging with each other and communicating. I needed to form that relationship. I needed to bend the knee and say, Debbie, would you be my wife? And I had that awkward moment when she looked at me and I thought, what is she going to say here? But I want to tell you about a non-awkward moment that can happen in your lifetime. That when you come towards God, realizing that God created you to have a relationship with himself, but also knowing that your sin, like my sin, builds a wall between us. So I'm like on my tippy toes trying to look over to God because I feel this distance. Or I try and do good stuff. I try and do right things. I even give some money that one time. And I don't realize that my sins can't erase those things I've done that have built the wall. Oh, but there's good news. Because paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. He did everything that I couldn't do to break that wall and restore me into a right relationship. And when I look up, I'm not wondering if God's going to accept me. Will she love me? Will she marry me? 
I look up and I find God looking down. My child. In fact, I don't see God far. I see God running like that prodigal son's dad, pulling his robes up, running down and saying, oh, my child, I've been waiting for you. I've been looking for you. Do you know I sent my son Jesus to die for you so that you could have an eternal life with me, not just this life, but forever and ever and ever. And I want to invite you today to propose like that, to bend the knee metaphorically or in a picture way and say, Jesus, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, right now as we sit here realizing on this day of the word and this day of family, when you've reminded us that you set the lonely in family, Lord, you're reminding us in this moment, as we heard earlier, that the most deepest experience we can have is being part of your family, to be sons and daughters of God most high. And so, Lord, for some of us today, this might be a first time to stop and say, Lord, would you have me as your child? Would you take away the wrong I've done? Would you remove the wall separating? And we hear you say, certainly, Jesus has removed any obstacle in your way. And in fact, I'm running toward you right now. You might be sensing in your heart now that that is something that's starting to happen that you are returning to Father. Right now, I want to challenge you, if that's you, if this is maybe the first time you've done that and made this journey back to God, I want you just to slip your hand up quickly until I acknowledge it, to say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. Right there, I see your hand. Anyone else bold enough to say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. So I see your hand. I see your hand. This is my chance. I see your hand, man, and yours, young man. I see you, sir. This is between you and God. I see you, man. God sees you. God comes running. God comes to meet you, to embrace you. And right now, here's what I want you to say in your heart, this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you made a way to restore me into relationship with you when I went my own way through the death of Jesus. And right now, I receive your free gift of eternal life and I will live with you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer now for the first time, not just as an audience, but you raised your hand. I want you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to follow one of our hosts who's going to take you and give you something to read this week. So why don't you come forward right away? Those of you who have raised their hands, why don't you come forward? Um, don't leave me hanging. Come forward. Thanks, sir. Anyone else? You may just want a word of prayer with someone. Make your way forward. That's awesome. Friends, give them a real hearty round of applause as they come to make right with Father God. Thank you. Would you follow Maureen today? I'm going to hand right over to Pastor Saar at this point. Let's give Pastor Mark a round of applause. Thank you so much.